We open our Bibles together tonight to the Word of God in 1 Peter chapter 5. First Peter chapter 5, this is the Word of God. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose, I have written briefly exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein you stand. The church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you, and so doth Marcus, my son. Greet ye one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you all that are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Tonight we look for a few moments at the familiar verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Beloved in the Lord Jesus Christ, the scriptures are very rich in the figures of speech that it picks to describe the gift of prayer, the figures to show the priceless treasure that prayer is and to encourage us to pray. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. Let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find help, grace to help in time of need. We are to see ourselves coming before the throne of all thrones, established of God eternally, that we might obtain grace, that we may come boldly, that is, 
we must see ourselves being ushered into the very presence of God upon his throne through his own son, Jesus Christ, and therefore ushered by Christ into God's presence, we shall certainly receive grace to help in time of need. Psalm 91, verse 1. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Prayer is a secret place, a place of safety, where nothing can touch or harm us as we are before his throne. We are under the shadow of the Almighty, intimately close to him in Jesus Christ. We may come to him, and we might receive from this God a cleansing of our hearts, the assurance of the forgiveness of our sins through prayer. The Bible compares prayer to a deer that has been hunted and is longing for and thirsty for water, needs to have that water. It describes prayer to us as a child who is frightened. And the only ones who can comfort this child are the child's parents. The Bible describes prayer as walking in darkness, forsaken by all, and yet receiving the light and the presence of God through prayer. Many pictures to teach the precious gift of prayer and to encourage us not to think if we should pray, but to pray. And now there's this one. Cast all your care upon him, for he careth for you. All that weighs so heavily upon your chest, sometimes even physically, which shortens your breath so that you can't breathe. Everything that overwhelms your heart and mind, that thing that has clouded out from you all the blessings of God, you can't enjoy any of the blessings of God around you. You wake up at night and you're consumed with it. You can't get back to sleep. You are consumed with these thoughts, that care. Take that care and cast it upon the shoulders of your God. Place it in his arms and care. He careth for you. Make that exchange by God's grace. Your care into his arms and his care and protection upon you. Where does that happen? Only one place. Prayer. The Apostle Peter is writing this epistle of 1 Peter to us, children of God, as pilgrims and strangers on the earth. Chapter 1, verse 1, remember Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers that are scattered abroad, the elect strangers. Chapter 2, verse 11, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. We are being addressed as those who are spiritually no longer citizens of this world. We belong to another world. We are strangers on this earth. This has happened, Peter has taught us, in chapter 1, verse 3, through our rebirth, that God, according to an abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope. 
We now are living in the hope that will never make us ashamed, that we are citizens of an eternal kingdom. We belong to God through Christ. And therefore, he says to us in chapter 1, verse 13, gird up the loins of your mind, get ready to travel, and hope to the end for the salvation that is to be brought to you. And now as he closes the epistle in this, in this chapter, the apostle is going to give three admonitions for those who are pilgrims for us. Those three admonitions are very simple and direct. The first thing you must do if you are traveling, if you're a pilgrim, is you need to dress right. If you're traveling, if you're hiking, you need to have on the right clothes. You can't go in your suit and dress shoes. You have to have appropriate attire for your journey. And so he says to us in verse 5, be clothed with humility. What are we to wear as a child of God traveling to heaven? What must we get dressed with? Humility, not pride. If we dress ourselves with pride, we will have many troubles on our earthly way. Number two, our text, he says, if you're a pilgrim, you can't carry too much. If you're traveling to another land, you can't pack and be carrying all kinds of things stuffed away in your backpack. If you have too many cares, if you carry those cares, you will not be able to journey as you ought to and hope to the end. And then he says, number three, if you're traveling, you better be aware and take seriously your enemy, the great lion, the devil. You better keep watch. And it's that second word to a pilgrim that we consider tonight. That load that you came in with, that anxiety that we carry and mounts up more and more, and it's on our back. We must cast that upon God in prayer. Cast all your care on God. What does that mean? Care is literally anxiety. The Greek word means to be pulled apart or to be pulled in many different directions. It's referring to what we know about when we are preoccupied when our thoughts are constantly being pulled back to something that is troubling us, when our mind and our soul are stuck upon something and we can't get it off. And this anxiety that we have is of itself undefeatable. We can't deal with it. We say that. I can't bear this anymore. The pressure is upon us. The Greek word refers uh, it was used in the local parlance to refer to what a person was brooding on, what was disturbing a person's sleep, what was robbing him of all other pleasures. He was overwhelmed. He was worrying. And the word comes in the singular, 
cast all your care, not because there's not many things, a bundle of cares that we can easily have, and that each one of our individual cares have tentacles that go into every part of our life and affect all of our life. But the idea, I believe, is that this care, these cares, do have one thing in common. And that care is that we are focused on the future. And we're saying, what is going to happen to me? What am I going to do if this continues? And how am I going to be able to bear this? And we place ourselves into the future. And we rob ourselves today of his peace. This word care can also be translated simply burden. That's the way it's translated in the Old Testament. And most likely, the Apostle Peter is moved by the Holy Spirit to think in this verse of Psalm 55, verse 22, where we read the words, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be raised. It could well be, I speculate, but it could well be that Peter, the man who denied his Lord shamefully three times, that that might have been one verse that he had memorized as a boy that came to him as so precious. Cast now, Peter, your burden of guilt upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. Psalm 55 was written by David when Absalom had rebelled against him, rejected God, tried to kill David. When his trusted friend and counselor, Ahithophel, the man that he sat next to in church and broke bread with him many times, Ahithophel had betrayed him. And many were attacking and accusing him and against him his whole life. As a king seemed to be shattered, he was a mature man, and he said, my life is shattered around me. My own son seeks my death. He was filled with a burden, an anxiety. And so this word care in burdens refers to the certain trials that God has us go through in this life, physical Peter is referring to uh, Christians who are scattered through persecution. And we're enduring physical trials. We refer to sicknesses. This care can be a cancer. This care can be the affliction of a, one of your children. Jet in the hospital tonight. A special needs child. It can be the situation of widowhood. It can be the situation, it can refer to responsibilities, not physical things, but emotional things. It can come out of the many responsibilities that have fallen upon you. Perhaps as a young husband, you take it very seriously. You're struggling to be able to provide for your family. It's on your mind all the time. There's pressures. 
and the job to, to perform. As a mother, pressures, I have to get this done. I have so many things. Don't talk to me. I have too many things on my mind. It can be for you as a student, as a boy and girl, the pressures at school. You can be consumed by the thought, what do other people think of me? Do they like me? We can be consumed by so many things as a child. As parents, we have burdens. We have burdens for our family members, for our sons, for our daughters, who are not walking in the way of life. They don't seem to feel Christ Jesus and belonging to him. They don't seem to feel belonging to God's people. We cry out to God, burdens and cares. These burdens and cares are dangerous. And they're dangerous because they stop me from hearing God's word. And they stop me dead in serving him and they cause me to look only here. The Bible is very well aware that we are prone to care, to anxiety, and to burdens. Jesus uses this word. And he that received the seed, his parable of the seed, among the thorns is he that heareth the word. But the care of this world, the many cares, choke the word of God. Our cares, our burdens, shout down the voice of God's word. We don't have time for it. Jesus uses the word in Luke 10. Martha Martha, he's in the house of Lazarus, and he's talking, and Mary is listening to him, but her sister Martha is just overwhelmed. She's cumbered about with all the duties of, of being polite and serving other people, and Mary's not helping her. Martha, Martha, you are careful, this word, about many things. There's only one thing needed right now, Martha, and that is to hear the word. Those legitimate cares that we have. Even those things can become a source of anxiety to us. The responsibilities that we have as a parent, as a husband, as a wife, as an elder and deacon. God gives us these responsibilities, but they grow increasingly more difficult. And they appear to us utterly unsolvable. And there's no way out of these problems. We're tempted to turn away from them. We're tempted to stop, to say, I can't. What are we to do? God says, I know, I know. Cast your care on me. That's prayer. 
It's an imperative. The Holy Spirit uses the present imperative. Cast your care. That's a command to do something. Do, cast them upon God. It's, an, it's a present command. That is, keep on. Don't do it once. Keep on. Keep on casting these things before God in prayer. Cast your anxiety. Cast your care. All of your worry. All of your care upon God. You can't carry them. You can't carry them in your strength. You're on a pilgrim in a journey. You need to walk the path of eternal life, but you can't do that with those burdens constantly dragging you down. You have to daily give them over to God in prayer. It doesn't mean that somehow we cauterize our emotions, that we neuter our feelings, that we become cold, insensitive, unfeeling, careless. Doesn't mean that we medicate ourselves in the misuse, the misuse of drugs and think that this will give us a temporary relief or alcohol, the misuse of alcohol. It doesn't mean that we can get from, away from these anxieties by escape. We cannot escape these anxieties. There's only one way. Bring them. Bring them in your heart and soul in prayer and place them into the arms of Almighty God. Throw them upon the shoulders of the living God in prayer. Cast them. Throw, literally. It's the only time that I know in the Bible that I am permitted to throw something. I may throw things at people when I'm angry, and I might not fling things around when I'm upset. I may do that, but I can take that care, and I can throw it through Jesus Christ on the Lord. The word cast means spread out, is used one other place in Luke 19, verse 35, where the disciples, when Jesus is about to enter into Jerusalem and they have the colt, the foal of an ass, they take their garments and they cast them. They spread them over the back of that colt. So take your cares and spread them, all of them, spread them before God in prayer. Spread them out before him. Explain them before him. Bring them to him. Lay it out before the Lord in your prayers. Not just general words. Pray. The psalm says, Psalm 62, take all of your heart and pour it right out. Empty the glass. Bring them to God. But we know that even after a season of refreshing through prayer, our cares are glued to us. 
And soon, especially if we're jolted again, we take them all back. Even though through experience of his wonderful grace, we learn that we can't carry them. And yet we so quickly find ourselves carrying them again. And truth must be told because very often when we bring our cares to God, we don't quite trust him. He might do something with these cares that we don't like. His answer with these cares might be something we don't like. We might think he's going to miss something and we better keep it. We don't surrender our cares to the Savior. Don't surrender, give up on your cares. But surrender them. Give them to God in prayer. Give them repeatedly to God in prayer. We find this very difficult. As I've said, it's impossible, apart from God's grace. We even become skeptical, perhaps. We say, I did that. I did that. It didn't seem to help. We're tempted to say, well, then it's no use to pray. But that's not how prayer works. We must continue to pray because it's exactly prayer. It is a, the words of friends can help. But it's exactly prayer that gives us to see all the things that are making us so anxious to see the truth about them. Our fears clog our eyes so that we don't see the reality of his blessings and grace of the most important things. Our fears and anxieties, our burdens are vocal things. They talk to me. It's like Psalm 3. There be many who say to me, there's no hope for him in God. The voice of despair, the voice of anxiety, there's very loud voice. We can't hear beyond that voice. Prayer opens our ears. We don't just talk in prayer. We hear, we listen to God. We spread it before him. And through his word, he begins to speak to us. So the psalmist goes on. That's what they say. But thou, O God, art a shield for me. Thou art the lifter of my head. Or Psalm 121. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord who made heaven and earth. You remember Elisha's servant went out and saw all the army of the Syrians around him. And Elisha said to, the servant, to God, Lord, open his eyes. He thinks he sees the complete reality. 
I'm done. We're, we've had it. He thinks he's got touch with reality. Lord, he doesn't. Open his eyes so that he sees the angels of God around us. Hezekiah, when Rabshakeh stood before the walls of Jerusalem and profaned the name of God and scared the people of trusting in God and wrote it down and says, here, give this to Hezekiah. What did Hezekiah do? Did he look at the words and say, ooh? No, he took that letter and he spread it out in the temple before God. And he said, Lord, you hear what he says? Show thyself as our God. Without prayer, you hear only the voice of anxiety. We must go to God in prayer. And we must listen. When we cast our burden upon the Lord, that does not mean that the things that are causing our anxiety, our fears, are going to be changed. That can happen. The verse before our text mentioned that God will exalt us in due time. And that can be in this life. But that will be in the day of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't mean that when we come to God with our petitions, that all the struggles and all the situation and the circumstances that are causing this stress in our life, that they're all going to change and snap and they will be over and we won't have any more temptation to become anxious. But it does mean that when you bring those things to God, your trials and the circumstances that are making you anxious, it does mean that God in prayer will reveal to you the purpose for those circumstances, which is not the purpose that your anxious heart is telling you. But God tells you the purpose. Peter put it this way in 1 Peter 1, 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, though your faith be tried with fire, might be found to the praise and the honor and the glory and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Prayer reminds you of this. It reminds you that it does not matter what the purposes of men might be with you. It does not matter what these circumstances of themselves mean. It only matters what God is doing with these things. And he's refining your faith. But perhaps we say yet, I can't, I can't put anything against that. I agree with that. Everything you've said, I, I believe it all. I do believe that prayer is there to make me see reality, God's reality. That prayer is there to make me see the purpose. But I soon begin to carry my cares again, and I'm weighed down. Is there more for me? Is there something else? Yes. 
He cares for you. I don't have words to express the depth of what that means. God, the sovereign God, cares for you. He's not indifferent. God's care is the expression of his eternal love and grace, which is revealed in Jesus Christ. To care for someone means that you're not indifferent to them and to their hurt. It means that you have empathy, that you have a concern, that you have compassion, that you can feel what that must be like. And you're moved. And the scriptures say that we are to have this care one for another. The reflection of God's care for us must also be in us as the people of God. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27, having the same care one for each other. What's the same care? God's care for me. We are to reflect that care for each other. Not to just hear and walk off, but to pray then for that person, to express, to help, to find ways, to show compassion, to help them get up. But now the point is, God cares for us. He has tender regard for us. He does not despise us for our weaknesses, our fears, when our hearts are overwhelmed. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. And his care is not like ours because our care for each other can't really do anything with that anxiety in my heart. But his care can and does. Verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. When we pray, Children, here's the foundation of every prayer. These are the, you don't need to say these things. Wouldn't hurt to consciously think about, uh, just think about them. But there are two truths that if we are to pray, you must be, by God's grace, fully persuaded of. Otherwise, we can't pray. Those two truths are these two simple truths. God is sovereign. Nothing happens apart from his almighty hand. And number two, God is gracious to me. And he cares for me. So it means that we don't just cast our cares before God, we cast ourselves 
all that I am before God. We cast our sons and daughters before God. We cast our future before God. We cast our burden before God. We say to God, I am not in control. I want to be a faithful servant. But I'm not in control over this. I'm not the one who's controlling this. God is. And he cares for me. It's in the present tense. He cares for you. Present tense in the Greek always refers to an ongoing action. It never stops. It never ceases. It never slows down. It never gives up. He cares for you. He will never stop caring for you. Cast them on God. We can't bear them. Only by bringing these cares to God can we learn to see them for what they are. Prayer, by casting all our needs before God, opens to us the truth. Prayer opens truth, the reality. Do you believe these things? This word of God, do you believe it? then you must put it into practice. You must do this. God said, cast your cares upon me. Do that. Hear his word. Don't carry your anxiety. Don't let it just set on your shoulders. It will crush you. But cast that burden on the Lord in prayer. And he will sustain you. That's God's word. Amen. Father, we stand in awe. We are both rebuked and we are encouraged. Now teach us to reverence what thou hast said. And teach us the confidence that thou dost care for us of grace alone. Teach us to bring everything repeatedly, constantly, before thy throne that we might receive grace to help us in time of need and that in the place of our <coughs> anxiety 
we might be given peace, passing understanding. In Jesus' name, amen.